Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I think we're allowed to say that now since Hallmark has started their movies. Uh, it's great. You know the ending to all of them. Um, I want to just kind of give a small disclaimer just so that you are aware. You are about to experience and witness organized chaos at its finest. Thank you very much. Um, so I just want you to know that when things, things are going to be happening all around you, and whatever happens is exactly how we planned it. Uh, we, are, we are ready to kick off our Christmas season, and we are going to do it by decorating uh, this house that God has given us. And so we're going to talk more about that in the, in the hour ahead. So why don't we start off this morning by standing up, finding about 15 people that you haven't seen yet, ask them what their favorite thing they ate for Thanksgiving was, and ask them what they're looking forward to most about Christmas. On your mark, get set, Go.
may be seated as Karen comes to lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for this day. Father, we do come here to adore you. Father, we love you with all of our hearts and are so grateful for the gift of Jesus. Father, as we celebrate this time and the beginning of the Christmas season, Father, we pray that our hearts would be filled to overflowing with your love and that as we encounter people in our journey and in our pathways, that we will love them the way you love them. Father, help us to be lights for Jesus wherever we go. In his precious name, amen. Welcome. Welcome to this very special home. Many of us call it a worship center, others a sanctuary. But scripture tells us it is the house of God. David writes in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. And that is just what we are doing this morning, gazing on his beauty and seeking him in his temple. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found, call to him while he is near. Today, this house, his house, his sanctuary, this home, if I may, will officially take on its Christmas apparel. Through the course of our time together today, we will change its appearance to prepare for the celebration of the birthday of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So why do we call it hanging of the green? Traditionally, green represents renewal, new life, freshness, and rebirth. Pine, fir, holly, ivy are all called evergreens because they do not die. Throughout the seasons of the year, they remain evergreen a symbol traditionally used to emphasize the nativity. Therefore, we decorate our house, and as we are doing here with evergreens, so that during the Advent season, we are reminded of the eternal life found only in Jesus Christ. The story of Jesus' birth began a little over 2,000 years ago, while some simple shepherds were watching over their flocks on a Judean hillside in far-off Palestine. It was nighttime, quiet and still, and suddenly the darkness was filled with an explosion of light and a symphony of angels singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so began one of the most beautiful and meaningful Christian celebrations. Christmas! In just a moment, we're going to sing another Christmas hymn, and as we do, wreaths will be hung to begin decorating our sanctuary. These wreaths have a great significance. The wreath is an endless circle. It is both, both evergreen and endless, reminding us of the eternal, never-ending love of God. The circle, along with the color, serves as a reminder to us throughout the season that the new life God offers us through Christ will never end. We invite you to stand with us.
verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to all men on whom his favor rests. From the moment the birth of Christ was announced, Christmas began with the song. David reminded us of it just a moment ago, and Joy just read it. A choir of angels singing, Glory to God in the Highest. Throughout the month of December, we will be led in worship week after week. We'll sing carols that are familiar, others that will be brand new to us. Scripture will be read, and God's Word will be preached. Everything done from this platform will be about proclaiming the good news of our Savior's first arrival on this earth, joining with, it, joining with the angels saying, Glory to God.
Good morning. If you know this one, I invite you to sing it. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, find the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, find the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, find the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, find the glory. Revive us again all glory and praise to the lamb that was slain who had borne all our sin and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, find the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, find the glory. Revive us again hallelujah find the glory oh hallelujah amen hallelujah find the glory revive us again revive us excited to have Wes with us uh, this weekend. This is Wes Hampton. Uh, he is a friend of Karen and myself, and that's not the proper grammar, but you understand the point. Um, and he is a member of the Gaither Vocal Band. If you are familiar uh, with that group, Wes was with us this past spring, uh, and we are excited to have him back, uh, not just for this morning. He is going to sing one more during our Hanging of the Green service, uh, but he is also going to be back tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, we are adding a little bit to our Christmas season. We're going to have a Christmas kickoff concert, and Wes is going to be leading in that tonight. So we want to invite you uh, to not only come back tonight, but bring somebody with you as we are ushering in the Christmas season. 
Uh, you will hear this phrase countless times in the next month or so. Uh, Christmas is the time of the year where people are most open to a presentation of the gospel. And so we are going to do everything that we can to enable and equip you with opportunities to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus coming to this earth. And tonight is our kickoff. This is really our kickoff, but tonight is our Christmas choir, uh, Christmas choir, our Christmas kickoff concert. We are doing a choir next semester, but I'll get to that later. Um, but we are excited. That's tonight at five o'clock. There is, uh, there's not a ticket. Uh, you don't need to buy a ticket or anything. The only thing that we ask you to do is bring something that is going to be a part of our No Strings Attached mission effort. You can look at that in your handout. Our No Strings Attached effort is we are partnering with uh, Aging Matters, the folks that do the Meals on Wheels. We are going to reach 175 of their beachside clients with Christmas packages, Christmas gifts. So what's going to happen is this week we're going to be receiving all those things. Specifically from our church family, we are looking for a large print uh, puzzle books, the Sudoku and, and crossword puzzles and things like that. We're also looking for the full-size shampoos. We're looking for also for warm non-slip socks, lotions, toothbrushes, toothpaste. You can see the list that's in front of you, or you can ask Karen or myself. But it's going to be a great opportunity. And then starting December 6th, we're going to turn this place into a gift wrapping warehouse. And anytime during the day that you've got 30 minutes or so, if uh, wrapping gifts is your skill, man, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. If gift wrapping is not your skill and it looks like a three-year-old did it, that's fine too. Uh, we would be glad to give those. But we're going to take about 175 of those clients and give them. We're going to be wrapping about 2,500 gifts over the course of uh, that next week. So th tonight... Come with those puzzle books, come with that shampoo, come with anything on that list. That's your ticket of admission, uh, and that'll be tonight with, with Wes and our Christmas kickoff concert. This morning, usually what happens here is we go into our children's message, and we're going to have that in just a minute. Laura's going to come up here in just a second. We're going to invite the kids to come up. But we get to do something uh, a little special this morning that I'm kind of excited about. Uh, ben and Stephanie, if you would bring your family on up. This morning, we're going to pause and we're going to celebrate and take an opportunity to give thanks for, for new life. You guys can stand uh, on my left, uh, their right, uh, for new life that God has given us, is given to our faith family. Uh, this morning, we're going to take a couple of minutes and dedicate not just their newborn, but also their oldest. Uh, this, is, this is Chip. Everybody say, hey, Chip. And that's Lincoln. Everybody say, hey, Lincoln. And so uh, we are going to take the opportunity this morning uh, to do a, what we call a parent-child dedication service. Uh, we dedicate, when we dedicate a child to the Lord, we are acknowledging God's sovereignty, uh, not only over the child, the children, but God's sovereignty also over you as parents, as well as us as a faith family. Uh, parents come and they present their children uh, before the Lord uh, and to his people, uh, asking for grace and wisdom and discernment as you carry out the responsibilities that the Lord has entrusted to you. Uh, we are also praying for the day when Chip and Lincoln uh, might trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they begin to follow him as the Lord of, of their lives. We don't practice infant baptism uh, here. We believe that baptism, as it's described in Scripture, is an act of a person who has knowingly and willingly made the decision to trust Christ and to, and to place their faith in Christ. But what we do have is at this time of, of dedication where the parents say, they, parents make a commitment, where we as a church family make a commitment to do all that we can with all that we are 
to be an example to these lives of who Jesus is and what he wants. We're told in 1 Samuel that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. In Luke 2, we read that Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to the temple, dedicating him to the Father. In both instances, these families were committed to the command that's found in the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. You're supposed to repeat them to your children. You talk about them when you're sitting in your house. You're talking about them when you're walking or driving along the road, when you're lying down and when you get up. You bind them as a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. You write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. In other words, Scripture in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in our lives is supposed to be ongoing. As I was praying for Chip, the scripture that came to mind was this. It says, the father of a righteous son will rejoice greatly, and one who fathers a wise son will delight in him. I love the way that you delight in your boy. As I was praying for Lincoln, the scriptures that came to mind were Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, because of the testimony of Lincoln. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone because the Lord is near. And this, this is what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, will, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So my first question is to you guys. Ben and Stephanie, do you acknowledge today that both of these boys are gifts from God, gifts that he has entrusted to you. They will not always feel like gifts. <laughs> I'm just saying. Ben and Stephanie, do you also commit to set an example and assume the responsibility to teach them to know God, to love God, and to follow him as they learn about who Christ is? This is a parent-child dedication, but we as the church family have a role to play as well. So I want to ask you, church family, do you acknowledge today that both of these boys are gifts from God, but he is also entrusted to us? Do you commit to set an example and assume the responsibility to come alongside these parents as we teach these boys to know God, to love him, and to follow him as they learn and follow the person of Jesus Christ. Then, Cadence, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. What we're going to do is I'm going to take Lincoln, and Cadence is going to take Chip because this is his girlfriend. <laughs> as he has let us know in the preschool line numerous, numerous times. And Cadence is going to go that way down the aisle, and I'm going to come this way down the aisle. And Andrew, if you just kind of put a little behind us, and we're going to pray as a church family. And you may want to reach out just symbolically that you're praying for these child. And here's the things that we're praying for. We are praying for the day when they might accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We are praying for these parents as they raise these boys. We are praying that we are the example that they need in their lives. So let's pray together, church family. 
Father, we are so grateful for the privilege that you have entrusted to us to love on, to care for, to walk with and walk beside this family. Father, we as their faith family commit to doing our part, to playing our role in loving them and leading them and being an example to them. Father, we pray for Ben and we pray for Stephanie as they will be learning daily and weekly how to be the parents that you have called them to be. Father, we pray that you would give them strength. We pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would give them endurance. We pray that you would give them patience. Father, we pray for a lot of patience. Lord, we pray for their example. Father, you would give them opportunity after opportunity to represent your love and your person to these boys. Lord, we do ask in your name for the day that they might come to know you as the Lord and Savior of their life. And Lord, if you would honor us, we would love to be a part of that day. Because we ask it, we pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Mommy. Before you leave today, if you'll go out that way, the, the fellowship hall is right there. Okay, where yet? The fellowship hall is out right out there, and they've got a little table of just some some what desserts. What you got? Good stuff. Good stuff. Just to go by, introduce yourself. As our faith family grows, we need to have more of those opportunities where we introduce ourselves, but also just a chance to meet Chip, meet Lincoln, and just kind of have that face with a name and go from there. The other thing I want to ask you to do: sometimes we give Bibles. Uh, Sometimes, but what I've kind of gotten into the practice of doing is, Julie and I found this book by Max Licato. It's called You Are Special. Uh, and it's, it's just a great story that the kids can, can have and can keep as they grow up and maybe, maybe have kids of their own, but we won't go there yet. So, um, but if you would do me a favor at the end of the service, before you go to the fellowship hall, just come up, sign the book. You've committed, but this is an ongoing reminder to them that they have a faith family who's walking beside them. So before you leave today, there'll be a, a fellowship reception in the, in the fellowship hall just to meet them, hug them, encourage them, but also sign the book as an opportunity to remind them of our own ongoing support and encouragement in their lives. Would you thank them for taking this opportunity to dedicate their kids today? So go ahead. All right, if you are a kid, let's, let's say fifth grade and under, you can come on and take a seat on the steps right here. Laura's super excited about this, but she's facing the other way, so she's going to love it even more. So if you're a kid, fifth grade and under, you want to come right here and take a seat on these steps right here. You've got a project as well, so don't go anywhere when she's done praying. So come right here. Boys and girls, it's so good to see you. All right, so right here in this bowl, I have a bowl of candy canes, but 
you have to wait until I'm done before you can get some, okay? So that's the rule, you're gonna have to wait. All right, so today starts um, our celebration of Advent. Who has heard the word Advent before? We heard it, okay. Is there anything you can tell me about Advent? No? All right, well, that's good. What can you tell me about Advent? You use candles, yep. I'm going to talk about those candles in a minute. So very good, absolutely. Okay, so Advent means coming. It is the time when we in church prepare and we wait to celebrate the birth of Jesus. There's that word again, wait. You guys have to wait a lot for things. You have to wait for the candy when I'm done talking. We have to wait to celebrate Christmas. You also have to wait in line for lunch sometimes or wait at the bus stop or in the car loop. Car loop is lots of fun and there's a lot of waiting in the car loop, right? Um, sometimes, even in class, when, well, at least you're supposed to, when you have a question, you're supposed to raise your hand and wait for the teacher to call on you, right? All right, some things are harder to wait for than others. Like, if you have an awesome vacation plan to Disney, or if you know you're getting ready to take a trip to go see grandparents, that can be kind of hard to wait for, right? Well, I have a picture of somebody right here who is waiting. This is my friend, this is Merlin. And Merlin, for those in the audience, Merlin is a five-year-old schnauzer. What is that on his nose? A dog treat, that's right. And his owner has taught him to wait until he says, okay. And then what Merlin will do when the owner says, okay, is he'll flip that treat up into the air, catch it in his mouth, and then he can eat it. So that's probably pretty hard for that little dog to wait, right? Yeah, waiting is not always easy. We have to be patient. All right, so getting back to Advent. Advent, this right over here on the table, that is our Advent wreath. And if you look at it, there are four candles in a circle, and then the one in the middle is called the Christ candle. So every Sunday between now and Christmas, we're going to light a candle. When you come to celebrate and we have that center candle lit, that Christ candle, that means that tomorrow or that next day is going to be Christmas and the waiting will finally be over for Christmas. All right? So let's keep an eye on our Advent wreath. When that last candle is lit on Christmas Eve, the waiting is over. We celebrate Christ's birth the next day. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you for this special time of year and the gift of your son, Jesus. Help us to be patient as we wait to celebrate his birthday. Amen. All right, you guys waited so patiently. Oh, hang on. Oh. So we need you to do something real quick. Mr. Kyle's going to lead us in a song, but we need you to go to the lobby and grab, grab a poinsettia and bring it up here. No running, just go to the lobby, grab a poinsettia, and then you can have your candy cane. All right? You'll see it when you go back to the lobby. So if you'll walk back to the lobby and grab your poinsettia.
So that was literally the best. We looked at, Julie and I looked at one of the young men and we were like, hey, go get another one. He had just grabbed his candy cane. And we were like, so go grab another one. You gotta be real specific. Because he's like, yeah, I'll grab another candy cane. That's awesome. If you've got your Bibles, if you'll take them and turn to Luke chapter one. Uh, Luke chapter one. That's not mine, this is. If you're new to Bible study, uh, Luke is the third gospel, the third book of the New Testament. I probably just messed up your thing, Angela, so just letting you know. It's exactly how I planned it, though, so it's all good. Um, Several years ago, right before moving to Brevard, a pastor friend asked me to do some pretty significant brainstorming with him. And as a result of that time, he walked away with several years worth of sermon direction. But what I didn't realize at the time, even though Julie did, was that I I also was walking away with several years of sermon direction. And one of the things that we both walked away from our time of, of planning and creativity was a commitment to walk through a gospel each year. We, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, we needed to make sure that we were putting the life and the story of Jesus Christ in front of the church family uh, every year, especially as we continue to grow and as we continue to reach people in our community. The thing that they're going to need the most is the life and testimony of Jesus Christ. So when we began our our journey here at First Baptist Indian Atlantic that spring, we also began our journey through the four Gospels. The first uh, year started with spring. That was the COVID year. This past spring, we walked through Mark. Uh, And then this coming spring, uh, our journey is going to continue with the Gospel of Luke. As a matter of fact, uh, there's several things that are going on this morning, you'll you'll notice, but over here on this table, uh, we have these CSB scripture notebooks, scripture journals. They've got the Gospel of Luke, but they also have pages that you can take notes in. Uh, They're $5. We're just trying to cover the cost of them. But we're going to be walking through the Gospel of Luke uh, throughout the entire spring of 2022. But the thing about Luke... Uh, is that Luke starts a little earlier in the story, and the Luke, the Luke account allows us to begin telling the gospel during December, during Christmas. Uh, and so uh, we want to ask you to go ahead and grab one of these so you have it as we journey, uh, not just through the gospel of Luke, but also through this season of Advent. Uh, with that in mind, if you are physically able, I would invite you to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Luke's Gospel, first chapter, I'll be reading the first four verses. It says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the Word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase. Father, may Josh decrease so that you might increase. And may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started because we have been in your presence, we have heard your voice, and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 
This morning, I want to just highlight a couple of things as we begin this journey, and then I want to ask Josh to focus our hearts on one thought in particular. From a teaching standpoint, uh, for now, while he's not named in the book, um, scholars and theologians alike all agree that Luke is not only the author of this gospel, but Luke is also the author of the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, uh, Luke and Acts really to most people are part one and part two. Uh, if he were a lawyer rather than a physician, which we, which we will see Paul identify Luke as a physician in Colossians chapter four, uh, we would see them as a legal brief. It's a legal defense of the testimony and the person of Jesus Christ as well as the start of the early church. That is the purpose of putting Luke and Acts together. And Luke is telling one story. Luke is, as I just mentioned, he is a physician, uh, which allows us to understand as we see the attention to detail that is going to permeate the book of Luke as well as the book of Acts. The doctor is very focused on detail and us understanding uh, what is happening. We, we also understand Paul, uh, Luke traveled with Paul on several of his missionary journeys. Throughout the book of Acts, you're going to see the pronoun we used very, very regularly. And what Luke is doing is he is identifying himself with the apostle Paul, with the missionary journeys, but he's also identifying himself with some other folks as we see in the first couple of verses. One thing to understand about the Gospel of Luke is that Luke is primarily writing to Gentiles. He's primarily writing to non-Jewish people because the Gospel starts, it's first for the Jews, and then it is also for the Gentiles. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a good thing. We are Gentiles. The gospel is for us as well as it's for the Jews. And so what he's doing is Luke is writing to this this person, most people think it is an actual person. Some people think Theophilus was a representative of the church largely, but most people believe that Theophilus was a person. Most people think he was a Roman officer who had converted to following Christ, and, and the Gospel of Luke, as well as the book of Acts, are Luke's way of discipling Theophilus in his faith. But he's also writing to Gentiles through Theophilus. Some scholars believe, like I just said, that, that Theophilus was a code name for the entire church. But what Luke is doing is Luke is putting a gospel out there for the Gentiles so that Gentiles can understand who Christ is, who Christ was, and what he was doing. But I want to look at just a couple of things, and then I'm going to hand it over to Josh to focus on one thought in particular. Look at verse 1 again. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence. Two things. Since I have carefully investigated everything. Luke has traveled with Paul. So he's heard about, he's talked about faith. He understands that with faith, you don't always see everything in front of you. You don't always have all the answers in front of you. But what he wants Theophilus to know, what he's telling us as well, is that here, I'm Luke, 
I'm a doctor, I'm a physician, I have to pay attention to details, the information is very important to me, therefore I want you to know I have done my homework. It says that he's spoken with original eyewitnesses. He's talked with folks that were there, folks that saw Jesus, folks that were healed by Jesus, people that heard him teach, people that observed his miracles, people that saw him crucified, people that saw him alive again. He has spoken with the original eyewitnesses and, it says original eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke has not just traveled with Paul, Luke has also walked with the apostles. He's talked with the apostles. He sat under their teaching. And what he wants, what he wants Theophilus to know, what he wants the church to know, is that he has done his due diligence. Since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first. From the very first. The Greek word is anothen. The Greek word is anothen, from the very first, anothen. It's also used in John chapter 3 when Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. It's used a little bit later in John chapter 19 when Jesus is having a conversation with Pilate. With, with, with Nicodemus, Jesus is talking about where salvation comes from, where the Holy Spirit comes from. With Pilate, Jesus is talking about where Pilate's authority comes from. And the word anothen literally means from above. And so what Luke is saying to Theophilus from here, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, I have carefully investigated everything that is from above. What I'm about to tell you is from above. And what Luke is telling Theophilus, therefore what Luke is telling us, is that what he is about to share is not a message, it's not his message, but it is a message that he has received from above. This is Josh Palmasano. Josh is our new minister to students and young adults. I'd like you to give him your time and attention as he opens, as he continues to open God's word for us this morning. Josh, cool. Thank you. Man, good morning, guys. Um, Jonathan asked me to share on verse four. And verse four, if you're following along, it says, so that you may know the certainty of the things which you have been instructed. And Luke is writing so that you and I, along with Theophilus, can know the certainty of the things you've been instructed. And what I find very interesting is that word certainty. As Jonathan was just sharing, this truth comes from above. It is a truth that is not of this world, but that word certainty speaks to the truth that he's about to share with Theophilus. And that, true, and that word certainty in the Greek, the definition gives us valuable insight. It gives us valuable insight on a very important biblical truth for you and I. The word translates to firmness, stability, security, safety, this idea without slipping. Theophilus, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not slip in your faith, so that you may be able to navigate your life and your faith with stability, with security, without slipping. And I think, okay, what things is Luke writing about? If these truths bring in our lives and in our faith a secure, stable, firm foundation to stand on, what truth is he speaking? What is the main theme of the gospel of Luke? What is he about to spend the next 24 chapters speaking about? And this answer is really simple. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, 
his crucifixion, his ascension back into heaven. It is the truth of Jesus. In other words, what Luke is saying is what brings stability and security into your life and my life? What is the firm foundation that we can stand on? The truth of Jesus Christ. And that's the point of Luke's gospel, to point us through the eyewitness accounts, to point us through the careful investigation, to point us through the word, the servants of the word, to point us to a person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. He is our great Savior who loved us and he gave himself for us, that we can trust in him and therefore live our life without slipping. And I think back to up to this point so far, when before the New Testament was even written, before Jesus walked the earth, all they had was the Old Testament. And you think back to the Old Testament and the purpose of it. It points to Jesus. The Old Testament leading us and pointing us to everything Luke is about to write about. But not only does the Old Testament point to Jesus, the Old Testament points and, and, and really identifies our great need of a savior. It identifies our great need of Jesus as our savior. And if we were to go back through the Old Testament briefly, we would find the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, Moses and, and Joshua are, are dead. They passed away. And so in the book of Judges, what happens? The Lord raises up and appoints men and women to, to rule over the people, to command over them. Many of them used as military leaders. And the Lord using them to deliver the people of Israel from their enemies. Notable judges are Gideon and Samson. Some of you might be familiar with them. But every time a judge died, something interesting happened. Every time a judge died, the people went right back into their sin. It was this constant cycle. God will raise up a judge, deliver the people, the people rejoice, the judge dies, the people are back into sin. It gives us this picture that the people or the judges actually weren't sufficient to deliver the people from their greatest need, their sin need, their need to be in right standing with God. And so what happens as we move through the Old Testament, the judges didn't work out so well, so we move into a time of kings. The Lord, or the people of Israel wanted to be like the other nations. And they asked, give us a king. Give us a king like the other nations. And Samuel warns them, this is not going to work out like you think it will. This might not be a good idea. But they kept demanding, give us a king. And so the Lord graciously gives them and grants them their request and gives them Saul. And you guys know Saul's the first king of Israel, but what happens with Saul? He disobeys the Lord in many ways. And we know Saul did not turn out to be the king that they thought he would be. And the Lord raises up David, a man after God's own heart. Surely David will save the people. Surely David will be enough to deliver the people. But what happens? David sins in the worst ways possible. And we see this picture that even the best judges and the best kings are not enough to save the people because they themselves were still sinners and in great need of a savior. And we move into this time of the prophets. The prophets, what did they do? They spoke the words of God. They spoke the words of deliverance to God's people. Repent, trust in God, you'll be redeemed. Repent, trust in God, he will save you. But what happened? The words of the prophets were ignored. The words of deliverance were ignored. And the people went on living however they wished. And even the priests, the priests offered some hope. They would sacrifice for sin. 
And time and time again, over and over again, sacrificing for the sins of the people. But what was happening, every sacrifice that they made was a reminder that the previous one was no longer sufficient. And again, a constant cycle, a constant reminder, we are in need of a Savior. And so this is where we're left. The great offices of the Old Testament, the judges, the kings, the prophets, the priests, cannot save us. We need a greater judge. We need a greater king, a greater priest, a greater prophet. And that is what God has provided. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Isaiah, six, nine, or Isaiah chapter 6, or chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God the Father has provided our great Redeemer through his Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ. And this is the hope that we have. This brings us back to the Gospel of Luke. As Luke says, we can know with certainty this truth. God has provided the greatest king, the greatest judge, the greatest prophet, the greatest priest, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, God the Son. And through him, we have redemption. We have deliverance. We have salvation from our sin purchased for us by his own blood on the cross. He took the Father's wrath that we deserved upon himself, making him who knew no sin to be sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. He has done it. It is finished, paid, and full. And those who trust in him will not slip. They have a firm foundation, eternally secure by the finished work of the cross. And this you can know with certainty, a faith that is certain in Jesus. And not only did he purchase for us by his own blood an eternal security, an eternal stability, an eternal safety with him in his presence forever. Not only did he purchase that, but he also purchased for for us today so that you and I can navigate our lives with stability today. And it kind of gets me to ask the question, what brings stability in the chaotic and unpredictable world we live in? What brings security and safety? When the psalmist says, my flesh and my heart are failing me. What brings security and safety when my job, my health, my relationships, my finances are failing me? What do I do then? Where's the firm foundation we can trust in and bank our lives on? It can't come from this world or the people in this world because we know they're insufficient. So where does it come from? It is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our only firm foundation and he never fails us. Being the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Sufficient for you in your time of trouble. And Jesus says, I give you a peace that the world cannot give. And that is good news for you and I. That there is truth beyond what I feel. And that there is truth beyond what I know. 
And this truth is a firm foundation for me to stand on even when everything else is falling apart. I can know with certainty Jesus will never fail me. And this is the truth that we have to come back to often. And this is the truth that we must stay rested on in our lives. That there is no stability, no security, no safety, no firm foundation apart from Jesus. It is only found in a a relationship with him that these things will be in your life. And maybe right now, you're walking through overwhelming circumstance. Maybe it feels like your faith is slipping. There are circumstances in your life that are leaving you with more stress, more anxiousness, more hurt, more pain, more doubts than ever before, whatever it may be. And I have the great honor to tell you that there is truth beyond it all. That Jesus has come, lived a sinless and perfect life, dying the death that we deserved, rising again on the third day so that we could be set free and delivered, the Savior that we needed. Hear the invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. His grace is sufficient for you. His presence is sufficient for you. His power, his love, his grace, it's all sufficient for you. He is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. And surrender and trust in him. For he is the firm foundation of your lives, your anchor, your rest. And so don't leave here today without him. As we're beginning this series through Luke and we're beginning to kick off our Christmas season, don't leave here today without him. And don't leave here today without trusting in him. Don't leave here today trying to carry the burdens of this life on your own. Because Christ came. He died and rose again to set you free. He is enough for you. He is your stability. He's your security. He is your firm foundation. The everlasting truth that you can bank your life on. That you can know with a certain faith that he is enough. Recognize your need of him. Recognize his greatness. Turn away from trusting in the things of the world and in yourself. And trust in in who he is. Take comfort in him, your great redeemer. And all these things we can know with certainty. Let's pray and continue on. Lord, thank you again that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the great high priest. Lord, in our sin, we were hopeless. In our sin, we are deserving of your wrath, but you have come and taken our place. You are a greater and better Savior and Deliverer one that brings firm foundation into our life that we can trust in, that we can bank our lives on. You'll never fail us because you never change. And I pray for anyone in here right now who may feel like their faith is slipping. Lord, that they would see and understand as Luke was writing to Theophilus that they have security, stability, safety found in you and you alone. Help us to trust in you, Lord, and help us to give thanks for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing this with us. Over the skies of Bethlehem appeared a star. 
while angels sang to lowly shepherds. Three wise men seeking truth traveled from afar, hoping to find the child from heaven. Falling on their knees, they bowed before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're of Bethlehem appeared a star while angels sang to lowly shepherds three wise men seeking truth traveled from afar hoping to find the child from heaven falling on their knees they bow before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. offering to you. Sing the chorus again. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering
There was a new star shining in the sky up above by his light that winter night they found peace and perfect love if we want to find it i know we always will for a new star is shining for us Simple trade was all they knew. It was hard enough to make ends meet when there were only two. But the cold and the dark and the hunger, it couldn't take away their joy, for they knew that they find a way for that precious baby boy. There was a new star shining in the sky up above by his light that winter night they found peace and perfect love if we want to find it i know we always will for a new star is shining for us still oh if we want to find it I know we always will for a new star is shining for us John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. These lights, the light that, and the light here, they are to remind us of the light, capital L, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He said anyone who follows him would never be in darkness, but would have the light of life. It is the joy and purpose of our lives to take that light to a lost and hurting world. 
A world that needs the light more than anything else. A world that needs to know about his birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection, and his promised return. So as we leave this morning, as we officially begin the Christmas season, let's allow the Holy Spirit to turn our light on for the rest of the world to see. Christmas is a season of praise. So let us remember and praise our God for his indescribable gift. The, the gift, gift of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, the, the light of the, of the world. world. It is literally my favorite time of the year. I just love everything about it. I love the fact that now we've been here long enough that when it goes under 70 degrees, we're now cold. Um, I love coming in and there being nothing up and leaving having decorated this house. Knowing that this, this place, we are the church, but this is our headquarters. And this is the place that we come and we are equipped and we are enabled. And then we go out there and we make a difference. I want to thank all the people that participated today. Wes, I want to thank you for being here, for taking time out of your holiday season to be with us. Josh, thank you for bringing God's word to the table this morning. A couple of things before you leave. We want to make sure that we're literally all on the same page. So Karen's going to be over here, and you can grab a, 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 a scripture journal. They're five bucks. If you don't have the five bucks, don't let that weigh you down. Just grab one. Somebody else will cover it for you. Also want to give as a gift to you, to your family. Maybe it's for you and your grandchildren, or maybe it's for you and your kids. But we've got these Advent books. It's called Tracing Glory. We've got these Advent books over here. We gave a copy to every family in our preschool. We want you to have one. This is just crafts and activities you can do very simple, very quick. Something you can do every day through Advent as a family. So grab one of these. They're no cost. You also, the, the piece, the stacks of paper are the craft ideas that you can do as a family. Mullers, you can only have one of these because I know you'll do one every day. Um, but, but grab one of these for your family. Grab one for a neighbor that you think you might want to invite to something, uh, that you might want to use this season as an opportunity to reach out to that loved one, to that neighbor. Give their family something to do during this Advent season. So you've got these books that are a gift to us, these books that are going to equip us uh, as we study through the Gospel of Luke. You see the the wrapping paper, and you'll see that there's lotion over here. We want to bring in the puzzle books because tonight we're having our Christmas kickoff concert with Wes Hampton. Do not come alone. Bring somebody with you. We're going to have a wonderful time this evening. On your way out, be sure and sign the book as a, as a sign of our commitment to pray for Chip and to pray for Lincoln. Head out the fellowship hall and let them know that you love them, that you support them. There's a hundred things that I just told you. I hope you'll at least remember one of them, and I hope that you'll come back tonight. Wes will have a table out in the back if you want to get a chance to get to know him. There's these books, there's those books, there's this books, there's desserts. All of that is super and important. If you forget any of it, it's okay. It'll all be good. But I hope that you'll remember this. This is the time of the year where people are most open to a presentation of the gospel. Go present the gospel. Let's stand, let's pray, and let's close our time this morning. 
Father, thank you for this house. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this season. Thank you for how it enables us. Thank you for how it equips us. Thank you for the story that we get to tell, the story that happened in Scripture, the story that you are writing in our lives. Father, I pray for opportunity. I pray for boldness. And I pray this may be the season of life change for people. Because we ask this, because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.